Yeah, cool. All right, we're in the book of Nehemiah, and we've been doing that for a few weeks. We came out of Ezra. They're, they are linked together. If you've been with us, you have uh, at least heard of some of that. Uh, and we are in Nehemiah probably three and four today. Last week we did one and two. We're going to try to work through the book, and some chapters will go quicker than others. But where we left off was Nehemiah coming back to this city, coming to this city that had been destroyed years and years before. There was a movement ahead of him with Ezra that rebuilt the altar in the temple. Uh, and Nehemiah had gotten word that, yeah, you, you have built that, but I heard the walls are down. We need to get those walls back up. And he's, he's passionate about that. He prays to God. He comes up with a plan. So he's, he's like, God, this, this breaks my heart that our city's in ruins. And then he comes up with a plan to do something about it. Shows up in chapter 2. And he brings this word to the people and, and, and points it out to them, gives calls to attention. Like, hey, guys, your walls. You've been living like this for a while. Uh, you did some good work, but you haven't finished yet. So can we do something about that? And, and he did that in a very tactful way. He had a plan about it. Um, he had thought it through, and he believed God was with him. So that's where we find ourselves. He's kind of broke this news to the people. He's like, I have something to tell you. Your walls are really crappy. Like, that's kind of what he said. This, he said, this is a disgrace. Like, this is, this is bad. Uh, God has given you so much. You need to work for yourselves a little bit here. And, and, and that can be taken in a number of ways. When someone tells you something about your life or your situation that way, it doesn't always go well, right? Someone shows up and they speak to, like, all the stuff that's wrong. But sometimes it's really helpful to have those fresh eyes. And it can be scary if someone pulls you aside, hey, I want to I talk to you. Or can I talk to you? Last week, actually, just yes, last week here in the morning, I think we were like a couple songs in. I was just standing over here, just reading and listening. And Troy is not here. He comes and he kind of taps me on the shoulder from behind. And he just whispers like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, uh, do I have a choice? Like if someone says, can I talk to you? Do you really have a choice? Like, hey, can I tell you something? Like, uh, no, please don't. But all right, let's talk. So like, yeah, what's up? He's like, and he kind of motions like, like, he, like we go around this corner through some doors into a really like, quiet room, like, oh my God. And all this stuff's going through my mind. Like, what, what is happening? I'm thinking with someone in his family, like, sick, something with Ashley. Like, uh, is the church, like, going to like ha- have a coup and overthrow me, and he's going to be the one to tell me? Like, I don't know. All these scenarios are going through my, through my mind. And he's speaking low because he's trying to be respectful, but it had that sort of gravity to it. Like, what is he going to tell me? And he goes in, we go into the kitchen, and he says, they have this cool coffee maker here. I think we can use it. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> Yes, fantastic. But it was, I was scared. You know, when someone says, hey, can I tell you something? Can I talk to you? Then leads you to another room and closes the door. Like, it doesn't feel like it's going to be good. So Nehemiah, he brings this news, and he comes into the city, and he, he does sneak around at first. As he came by night. He didn't tell anybody what he was doing. He assessed the situation. He thought, what he, thought through what he was going to say. He did his homework, and then he spoke the truth in love to these, these people. He goes, hey, listen, I, 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 I've checked it out. We need to do something here. And it was received very well by the people. If you, if you were here last week, end of chapter 2, they say, okay, God's with us. God will grant us success, but let's get to work. And the servants started building. God's going to do this, but we're going to get to work. So that's where it picks up in chapter 3. And chapter 3 in the text, if, you're, if you have your Bible or you want to throw open an app, uh, it's one of those chapters that we, we see often in the Old Testament uh, where, where it's just a bunch of names upon names upon names. And these are scribes, and they're trying to follow things to the T. And, and Ezra is you know, a bit of a historian, so he's probably writing this stuff, and he's getting information. And it's names upon names and upon names. And it can be one of those chapters that, like, oh, my gosh, is there anything here at all? Can I just skip it? 
And so we're going to go through a little bit today. We're going to read every name. But there's something pretty cool that happens in this chapter as we start to go through it. Uh, and I'll read a few, few uh, I'll read a little small section, then we'll kind of skip around. But it says this, so this is after getting to work. It says, Elisha, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set the doors in its place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hanel. There's all these places going to be listed here. It's very specific. Men of Jericho built the adjoining section. Zakor, son of built next to them. Fishgate was rebuilt by the sons of Hanasseh. Then they laid their beams. Then next to him, so-and-so repaired the next section. And next to him, so-and-so repaired the next section. And it goes on and on. It's all these different people. Uh, Hanai, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored the wall. Um, Shalom, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. It goes on to see some goldsmiths repaired the next section. Repairs were made by son, so-and-so, son of so-and-so. Uh, half the district you know, got involved. The rulers got involved. It said the priests from the surrounding region got involved. They built next to them. And it's all these names. The temple servants living on the hill made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate. Next to them, the priests made repairs in front of each of their own house. Next to them, one of the goldsmiths. On and on and on. It's all these people, kind of who they are. And they're very different people who lived, came from very different places of life. They shared this common goal. They were commonly kind of inspired to do work. They're all different. And there's one section that says... The nobles of a certain kind of township refused to help. So it wasn't everybody. There's always those kind of people who just sort of don't get involved. But, I mean, it's a lot of people got involved, a lot of different people. So-and-so grabbed his his son. So-and-so grabbed his his daughters. Everybody went to work. And this word comes up over and over again for repairs. And it's this this Hebrew word, shazat. And it just makes something strong or encourage. And so they all get out and they're all doing their part to encourage and to make this city strong. They all had a certain section to work on that they picked, and maybe it was in their area. But they were all next to somebody else as they were building up these walls to encourage this place to finish this work that God had started. And I love this sort of idea that they're, that they're all next to one another. Over and over, 20, 25 times, depending on how you read it. So-and-so did their work Next to them, so-and-so was doing the work. And it was individual work, right? Because you have, your, you have your life, you have your section that you're working on, but you're not isolated, you're not alone. You're part of this greater work all around the city. And if we get to share that in the community, there's the church, the, the, the church worldwide. We're doing our work here. We're part of this bigger church. Within our community, right, we all have work to do in our lives that, that, that sometimes is very specific, individual to you. I'm not involved in every single thing, you know, in your life or one of another, but we're all next to one another. We're all working next to one another. We're sharing this, this bigger load together. And it's encouraging when you're working and you're, you're, you're hustling and you've got your family involved, you're just digging deep and you're spending resources and, and you can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm alone. But you look down next to you and there's a, another family doing the same thing putting in time and effort, it's encouraging. And this next to, next to, next to, next, so-and-so went work, next to them, so-and-so is working, next to, next to, the, next to them, so-and-so is working. And it forms this, this very cool kind of companionship for the people because they're, they're now inspired to work and they're inspiring one another. When Nehemiah showed up, there was very little inspiration to do anything. And maybe there was a few people who were like, man, I, could, I should probably do something, but it's too big of a job. What, what good does it do, especially when you're building a city wall, if we just fix one section? Like, well, I got my section up. People can just go around anywhere else they want now, but at least the front of my house is, is solid. 
And Nehemiah, he rallies them, and God uses them to rally. Let's get everybody. Let's get everybody. And this, this, this next two kind of companionship forms, and there's an inspiration around that as they get to work, as they see other people working. And when he showed up, it didn't seem like there was a lot of, uh, of energy toward that kind of thing. I don't know if their, their hearts were in it. They had, they had let this kind of go for years and years. But as they started working, as they started seeing other people do it, man, it just started to go. And sometimes when we, when we think about the work that we need in our own lives, where it's, it's our faith, it's finances, it's relationship, it's our, you know, it's our health, all these things that we talk about, it's our kids, career, we feel God speaking to us, we see something, I know that needs work, but I'm just not feeling motivated. Because sometimes our heart is just, it's, it's a little bit sick sometimes. It can be apathetic. You know there's areas where you're just not feeling inspired. And other times your heart you know, perks you up, like, oh my gosh. I feel something speaking to, I feel God speaking to me. My heart is, is full. I'm going to get to work. And you go after it. But other times you're not really feeling it. But what can happen is when you start to work, when you start to action, your heart can follow along, right? Sometimes the heart inspires action. Other times action will inspire the heart. Just because you don't feel like doing something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's like, oh, it's the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. Let's see what happens. Maybe I'll start to feel better. That's so many of us, when you, when you get into, try to get into some kind of exercise program, you don't always feel like it, you know, whether it's walking or running or it's, or it's diet, but as you do it, you start to feel, okay, I'm feeling this now, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling inspired to keep doing this. So sometimes it's hard to get started. And the people were not inspired, but as they began to work, as they began to, to lay, lay their hands to the rubble and to rebuild, something started to happen. Some life started to kick back into this situation. Amy and I, uh, on, on Valentine's Day, didn't have a ton of specific plans, but uh, we had breakfast with the family, and that night I thought we'd, we'd go out. I said, what are we going to do? Let's, let's go out. Like, what are we going to do? Well, let's just go out, and, and, and we'll figure it out. And Valentine's Day is a hard night to go out. Some of you know that. It's just, it's just crazy out there, and it's expensive. And I said, let's at least go out. We'll go find, a, you know, we'll find two seats at a, at a bar somewhere in the collection and just at least sit there for an hour or, or two and talk. Let's, let's just do it. And as we're kind of getting ready, it's, it's, you know, it's night, it's cold. We're in our room, we're both kind of like, I don't know, like, I kind of just want to put on my sweatpants and watch TV. Like, that's sort of what was feeling like. She's like, yeah, I kind of want to do that too. But I'm like, no, let's not do that. Let's go out. Like, we have to go out. And we went out and, and, and we went over to uh, Larson's. It's a steakhouse over there. We weren't going to have dinner. It's, like, it's probably going to be busy. We probably won't find a seat. We go in. We find this, this great table like right away. And we knew some people there took care of us and um, you know, had, a, had a drink and a dessert. And just had a really nice time. I was like, man, that was awesome. Like, when are we going to come back here? But if we don't do that, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't get inspired to do that. Sometimes you have to like, get past the sweatpants and like, suck it up you know, put on some nice clothes and go out. And then you feel like, man, that was fantastic. But back at the house, when it's cold, and it's dark, and, and, you know, Netflix is right there and whatever, it's like, are we going to do that? And then you just start to step into those things. And you're like, that was awesome. I had a really nice date with my wife. Right? We just went out and we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't have plans. We didn't have to spend a ton of money. We went out and had a, had a couple of drinks at, this, at a nice restaurant. And it was great. But if you're left to just sort of feeling what your heart's in the mood for, you don't always do that stuff. Ah, I don't know. I mean, these people, you can imagine just looking at the, the rubble around them, like, yeah, we should probably do something, but I'm not feeling it. 
And I took someone like, hey, listen, guys, let's do something. And as one started to do something, the next started to do something. And in community, in, in this faith-based church community, that inspiration to live our best lives is, is part of it. Now, that's why we'll get together tonight and, and with our men and our women. We just talk about, we share life. And when we're not feeling it, like, ah, that's okay. You share that too. Like, I'm just not feeling it. I don't feel connected with Jesus. I haven't read my Bible. I'm not listening, listening to worship music. I'm just not feeling it. I say, okay, well, listen, start making some time. Start doing it because it, it will come back to you. But the more you drift away, it doesn't come back. Right? The less you exercise, the less you eat healthy, it doesn't like all of a sudden come back. It's, you just get more comfortable like living that way. And so our faith in these, in these, in these people at this time are wor working through that. And there's something about companionship. C.S. Lewis says this, those who are enjoying something or suffering something together are companions. It's like when we do this stuff together, we're companions. And it's not easy, especially the work they were doing is not always easy. Some of the life situations that we'll walk through together are not easy. But we're walking together. We are companions. We'll have some fun together. Right? We'll go to do kook fest on the beach and, and drink beer and eat donuts and, and body surf. And that's going to be fantastic. We're companions in that journey. And when there's loss or, or heartbreak or hardship, we're companions in that part as well. And it, when you're working together, it, it, it kind of builds that. And you see that all through chapter 3. People just started getting involved. Right? So from the goldsmith to the perfume maker to the, to the priests to, to so-and-so's daughters and so-and-so's sons, it just starts to come together. I got a, a text from uh, Jason Jones this week at some morning, and, uh, and he just said, hey, just thinking about you guys, Damien and I, um, how, can I um, how can I pray for you? And it was a really good timing for that prayer. There was just some things that we needed, you know, prayer for. And some of it is, is this. When even last night I was talking to Amy, I was like, hey, like, so, um, she's like, I'm kind of struggling for tomorrow's message. I, just, I haven't already, I know the text. I haven't thought of any kind of stories. And she's like, I'm sure you'll be fine. Or you could also tell everybody how you were jerk all week long. <laughs> and I was like, oh. But back up, you know, Jason had, had texted us one morning, and we were just like, I, you know, we're just in one of those places, and it's, I'm sure it was, all, it was all me. But we're just like, you know, kind of at each other. And it was just nice to have somebody, say, checking in. And I just wrote back, yeah, pray for me, I'm being a jerk. Like, that's what's happening right now. Right? That's the companionship on, on this sort of journey. So like, oh, everything's fine. Like, yeah, someone's asking, right? I mean, it's, it's we're not in grave danger. It was, it was one of those weeks, though, you know. That's that kind of companionship. It's for fun, and it's for, it's for moments like that. And when we get to that way, and, and uh, Joseph Rithlin says this, value companionship begins, value, value companionships begin with a personal commitment to be an exemplary companion. So if you're looking for that kind of stuff and friendship and community, be that kind of person and community to somebody else. That's how it starts. Ah, oh, no one really cares about me. You care about anybody else? No, because no one cares about me. Well, that's, then you're going to be stuck there. No one ever calls me. Will you call other people? It goes kind of both ways. Do you reach out? No one's reaching out. Now, I get it. Sometimes we're just in a bad place, and we need people to, like, to ju jump in with the you know, life preserver, and we're going to save you. You're just in that place. If that's, your, if that's your situation, say that too. Like, hey, I got nothing. I'm drowning over here. Great. We're in. But to walk that stuff out, be that person. Be that person. 
When they began to, to take up you know, shovels and, and hammers and they began to go, do work on the wall, it'd be easy to say, oh, well, they're not doing anything. Those guys over there haven't done anything yet. Well, you know what? You do something and see what happens. You start to get to work. Maybe those guys will be inspired by you. And so this cool thing happens with, with, the, with the city, and it's, and it's about the wall, but it's more than the wall, right? It, it, it's about restoring the wall, but it's, it's also about repairing this, this community of people. And we see this just start to take, take shape through chapter 3 over and over again, as so-and-so built next to so-and-so from different places. And they restored this, this, this really cool wall. This is just a picture of it. They restored uh, Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And this is, this is actually in uh, Jerusalem today. It still, it still stands through the city. I mean, this is the work of their hands. This is the work of the story of, of Nehemiah chapter 3. And you can go see it in, in Jerusalem. And begin to accomplish something. In chapter 4, it, it's not without opposition. Uh, because there are people paying attention to this who are not happy about a wall going up. Chapter 4 goes like this. When they heard that they were, this is a kind of neighboring enemies, heard that they were rebuilding the wall, they became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of the associates of the, of, of the army of Samaria said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer their sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? And those heaps of rubble burned as they are. He's like, what are they even trying to do? They're, they have nothing. They're not going to be able to get anywhere on there. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Yeah. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was by his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on that would break down their, their walls. So the enemies are looking at this situation like that is a waste of time. And sometimes we can feel like that when we're going to work. We're really trying hard. But maybe from a distance, like, oh, that just looks like a waste of time. You know, good for you trying to go to church. Good for you trying to, to serve. Good for you trying to, uh, you know, respond to your family differently. That's a waste of time. It's never going to get you anywhere. And that is such the voice of the enemy that when you go to work on something and it just, and you step back and look at it like, oh, shoot, that's not that, it's not that good right now. This is a waste of time. And it's not a waste of time. It's brick by brick. And when they talk about, can you stones be brought back to life from heaps of rubble burned as they are? Yes. That's the, that's the story of Jesus. Whatever the broken rubble is and, 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 and you know, heaps of junk in your life, where you're just feeling void, can that be brought back to life? Yes. Absolutely. And the critics will say, oh, yeah, that's not, that's not going to work out. Picks up, hear us, our God, for we are despised. This is, this is the, the people of Jerusalem. Turn their insults back on them. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt, for they have thrown insults at the face of, of the builders. It's Nehemiah. So we re rebuilt the wall to all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So they work with all their heart. They're pouring it up. They, they've got this, this wall. You know, it's half its height, so it's not done, and it, people can kind of go over it, but they, they got something finished. They got the foundation laid. When the Ammonites and the, the people of Ashdod heard the repairs of the wall had, had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were angry. Like, oh, wow, they're actually doing something. And they all plotted together to come fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So these neighboring 
villages and houses would, would come and say, all right, they're actually doing something. Let's, let's shut it down now. This is verse 9, Nehemiah. So all these people are coming against them. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. We prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night. And this recalls what we talked about last week. Man, we are in trouble. We are going to pray to our God. But we're also going to post people day and night. We are going to guard and protect. We are going to do our job. God, we feel threatened. We're in trouble. They are stronger than us. There are more of them. They are bigger than us. They can tear this thing down. Will you, will you save us? And we're also going to post guards at the wall. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna grab arms and we're going we're gonna to stand there and defend. And it's this great both end that we see throughout this, this book. And enemies take note of this and they actually start to back off. Like, ah, oh, they're kind of watching all the time. They've, they're, they're armed now. Nehemiah says uh, to some of the people of the area he's working with, Therefore, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall and at the exposed places, posted them by families with their swords and spears and bows. So he's getting everybody armed and involved. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember God who is big and gracious and loving. And he can, he can do the impossible and fight for your loved ones, your families, and your homes. Yeah, remember, God's got this, and also remember to fight. And this is a story of, of him activating his people in a very real way that so many of us can hear today. We'll see this. This will repeat. He didn't go and like, all right, let's go lock ourselves up and pray. He's like, all right, get your swords and your bows. Let's do this. Let's trust God, and let's fight. And he goes on, it says, from that day on, half my men did work, while the other half, equipped with uh, spears, shields, bows, and armor, posted themselves behind the people of Judah. So, so it's half the people worked, and the other half, like, stood there with bows and arrows. Like, all right, come try it. Try, come try to stop us. And Nehemiah is this guy, he thinks through this thing, he's pragmatic. He says this at the end, we continue the work with half the men building, holding spears from first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. There's a lot of, lot of effort going in here. He says this at the end of chapter 4. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards took off our clothes. It's this whole time. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. So it says we did not stop. We did not rest. We did not, we did not let our guard down. And sometimes we need to be in those places of diligence in our life, in our, uh, with our friendships, with our, with our spouses and relationships, with your personal walk. It's so easy to put your, let your guard down. And there's something out there would love to get into your life and, and tear it apart. Would love to tear apart your spiritual life. Would love to tear apart your, your intimate relationships, your friendships, family. So we did not let our guard down. We realized there was an enemy. That, that's important for, for all of us. We need to realize there's an enemy. And then be diligent and trust God and go to work. And trust God and not let things creep in. Not let little things get in there, even the little gaps. Ah, it's okay. See, man, these guys, I, I see, we didn't take off our clothes. And, and we stayed posted. We worked day and night. We held weapons and we prayed to God. 
And this is the effort of, 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 of Nehemiah and the inspiration that he's, he's offering his people because he's also in there with them. He didn't just come and say, hey, you guys should do all this stuff and make it better and fix it. He says, all right, I'm going to work the hardest. That's some leadership right there. If you guys are going to be working day and night, I'm working day and night. If I'm expecting you guys to get your relationship with, right with God, I'm getting my relationship right with God. If you guys are on guard, I'm on guard. And he just dives in with the people. And he begins to inspire them through his work. And they inspire one another through their own work. And God is with, and there's this activity that's happening because we're not passive instruments of faith. Like, oh, God's got this. Yeah, but what are you doing? What's your part? And they prayed, and they posted guards, and they fought, and they built, and they guarded, and they remembered that, that God was good, and all these things. We prayed, and we did all this activity. We did our best to sort of answer our own prayers. God, bring back the, wall, the walls. God's like, yes. You guys go build the walls. Oh, that's part of it. That's part of how it works. And so there's stuff that feels kind of broken in your life because there's a situation that it goes by quickly in, in chapter 3. There's all this rubble. And it says the laborers were getting tired because of there's so much rubble to clear out. There was so much old stuff just still sitting there. They couldn't barely even get to work on the new stuff because there was all this burn up, broken down rubble laying around. And they had to fight through that. It says they were tired from that. They were tired from all the, all the rubble. This is chapter 4, actually. Strength of the labor is giving out, because there's, there's so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10. There's so much rubble, we cannot re rebuild the walls. And some of our lives, where you're, wherever you're at, sometimes you need to address that rubble, that junk from your past life. Like, man, I want to rebuild. I'm excited. I want to put up walls around my family, my household. I want God to be active. But man, I got a lot of junk laying here I got to deal with. And maybe that's just the past. Maybe it's just comparison to the past. It's like, oh, wow, we had these old walls. They were amazing. Now that was, those old walls aren't there anymore. We have to move those old walls out now. And it might take a little work. It might take a little effort. Broken rock by broken stone, clearing that out. Let's build the new stuff up. And they engage. Now have the band come up, we'll, we'll close out with a song. Uh, this week I had an opportunity to go down to a, uh, kind of some events with, with Made West in, in L.A. And uh, this is a little bit of a tour, visiting some, um, some relationships. There was a release party. and We're going down and uh, leaving here on Wednesday afternoon. Five of us in a really small Prius with a lot of gear. So I had camera gear, there's, there's sample beer in the back seat, and it's this little Prius car. So three of us in the back seat, and it's one of those things you, you get into the car. I haven't driven in a car like this for a while. Um, you know, trying to put on like the seatbelt and stuff, and you're just trying to like, three guys like trying to get in, and, and it was getting really hot, and I couldn't take off my jacket, so I turned like, hey, dude, would you help me get my jacket off? Because I just can't turn around. And we start going, and from, from Ventura, we're about in Camarillo, and I'm in the back seat, and I'm just starting to like, starting to like feel like sweat coming down my face, and this kind of like car sickness coming on. I'm like, this is not happening right now. I am not doing this. Like, I'm not being car sick right now. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? Do I get out now? Do I just suck it up and try to get to get to LA? Is it going to get worse? And if you've ever been in these moments, it's just you're like, and the more you think about it, the worse it gets. You try not to think about it, like, oh yeah, this is happening right now. I'm I'm feeling miserable. And I said, I just had to suck it up and say, guys, super sorry. 
not feeling well, you can just let me out and I'll figure it out later. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I just feel scars. Like, like, oh no. I'm like, do you want to like the window? Do you want to? I think I just need to get out and I'll catch a ride another way. And I did. I got out in Camarillo and, and ended up you know driving down another way. But it's one of those things. Like, what am I gonna do here? Is it just like pride that's gonna keep me from getting out of the car? So I wasn't feeling well. Like, I'll just suck it up. I'll just keep doing this. I'll just keep doing it. It'll, it'll get better. And sometimes it doesn't. God, please deliver me. God's like, okay, get out of the car then. Like it's sometimes both. Man, I wish I could have just gotten better. But it wasn't happening and somebody's got to make a call. And some of us are, are, are passengers in that kind of vehicle. I don't know what your life is, everybody. Like maybe it's your job or certain friend groups or you know some people you're hanging out with. Like you got to get out of that car. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. It's time for you to get out and maybe get another car. And you can pray, God, help me. God's like, I want to help you. You got to get out of that car. So God, thanks for who you are. Thank you for story, for honest people. Help us to be those who would inspire one another, Lord. Help us to be good companions together on this journey through good times and bad. We love you. In your name, amen.